Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. JL, thank you for being on my show. Um, I'm actually excited to talk to you um, for many reasons. One, uh, the whole book business agent, all that stuff. But also, um, it seems like you're all New York. Like, you're all in on New York. Like, uh, you're, you're Biggie and I'm Tupac, meaning I was born in, <laughs> I'm all LA. This is all I know. I visited New York and I actually, I disagree with Biggie. I think New York is a great place to visit. I think LA is home. Now yeah. you're gonna just you're gonna disagree. Um, well, go ahead. Were you born so, in New York? No, I was just gonna say like I don't. I can definitely see. I think I can see the benefits of both. I have lots of friends who grew up here and then um, you know moved. It's a variety of situations. Some people like moved to other states and you know didn't have any siblings. Grew up with a single mom and like a you know like a tenement apartment in the East Village and then like they moved to you know Georgia. They got married. They had kids. They had like they had a completely different life than what they grew up with. And then others have stayed here. So I mean I can definitely see the benefit when I come out to California which isn't very often um like I get it like you guys have palm trees and you have vibe and it's chill and the sun is shining and like I get it's not it's not New York is kind of hardcore like the, the I find beauty in like the construction site that's happening over by the FDR drive like I <laughs> I am able to tune in and be like this shit is so gnarly but like I love it because like smokestacks and like it's just a different it's a different vibe but um I also think it's what you get used to, you know, like I grew yes. up here, like I, li I like it. I do like it. So JL Sturmer, Sturmer, is, the, that's me. Sturmer is the owner of Next Level Lit. She's uh, previously worked as a literary agent at New Leaf UTA and the Donald Mass Agency. And she holds a BA from Columbia University. And, you know, we're talking about New York because she's a, a native New Yorker who loves um, her city more than ever. And I love this part. Uh, she's really excited about the creativity bubbling up post pandemic it's like she's able to see this silver lining which i love and um she loves park be benches um preferably with coffee and a donut where do we begin well i'm glad we started with new york um i actually and, and, you know especially with the book business um because la is more like tv film totally. um, and then new york is where books are at so let's start with um how you got into the book business, uh, you know, what, what made you create an agency and all of that. So God, do you want to start with, when did you first kind of, um, fall in love with books, words, and, and, uh, did you stumble upon it or was it something that happened, you know, um, teenager college, like way back in the day? I think that, well, I've always been, English has always been my best subject. Let's just say mm -hmm. that like back in, you know, back in the day, I would say, you know, school, reading, writing were things that I was definitely um, uh, into, good at. Uh, I was always creative. Um, I would say it's more about, it's not necessarily, and I did, I went through my phases in terms of, you know, when I was a kid reading like Sweet Valley High books and series mm -hmm. and, you know, being on the camp bus and like, you know, reading a book. Every every couple of days, like I definitely books were a part of my life, but I studied theater for a really long time. That was really um, 
I went to uh, LaGuardia High School here in the city and I studied theater. And so then from theater, um, I worked in fashion for many years. And mm. then after fashion, I was, I worked in a bunch of different uh, restaurants, uh, you know, as a server, as a cocktail server. Like I really kind of bounced around in the city a lot. And at a certain point, I decided that I need to get my bachelor's degree because I was kind of dropping out of school. Like I, I, I went to Temple University in Philly for a minute. Like, you know, I was just kind of meandering around and somewhere in my late twenties, I was like, all right, like neither of my parents graduated from college. I, I, I felt like I wanted to get a college degree. It was important to me. It was important to my mom. And so mm-hmm. I applied for Columbia University and that was how I wound up there. Um, and not, I'm trying to think like- What was Columbia like? It was, it was like a culture shock for somebody that was a a public school girl. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. a private school person. I Uh, went to New York city public school, just a couple of blocks away from where I live. Um, You know, I think that I don't even think that I had been like North of 96th street when I was, you know, when I first started going up on campus, you know, you take mm -hmm. the one up to 116th. And I remember kind of coming up from the, um, from the subway stairs and it's just like this magnificent gate and I walked onto the campus and there was like a string quartet and I was just like oh my god wow. <laughs> like I felt I felt inspired and I did feel a little bit intimidated because I just you know yeah, of course I believe university is very different from New York City public school but what I what I what I say is like the 17, 18 year old me was not ready for that. Mm. The 27, 28 year old me, I had had a couple of jobs. I had got, you know, there were, I had lived some of my life. And so I think I was bringing something else, you know, to the table. I went to the school of general studies, um, which is for non-traditional students. So you take classes with kids who were like Columbia college, et cetera, but you have your own school that really kind of caters to the needs of people who, um, you know, are, are there for not non-traditional have had non-traditional lifestyle. So that was me. It was yeah. great. I, lo- I loved it. I loved Columbia. Um, I just wanted to kind of get that in there because it really clicked a new part of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that being in classes and uh, some of the kids, like the 18, 19 year old kids were, you know, being in class with them and they were making these like insane arguments and like the way that they were articulating themselves. I was just like, wow, this is right. like no joke here. But I like I just got in the mix and it was it changed me. It definitely changed me. Um, quick question before I ask you how it changed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The other difference between East Coast and West Coast is I think East Coast, they put a lot of weight on um, academia. They put a lot of weight on, you know, Ivy League, um, where you go to school. Um, I went to Cal State Northridge. I was a C student. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I fucked around a lot and I didn't um, study. Uh, here in LA, it's more about, I think, who you know not about your degrees or the letters after your name, but I know um, East Coast, it's all about that, right? So I wonder if that made um, you as a 19-year-old just put more pressure on yourself to go out and, you know, succeed, quote unquote. Yes, I mean, I think think that I never really saw myself as like a stellar student. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I felt like something about being at Columbia and and kind of under just kind of approaching it from a different point of view made me feel um I don't know like 
maybe work harder or yeah. in a different way or even in the community of the people who I was with the other people that were I was going to class with that was not a joke everybody was paying I'm still paying for it everybody was paying you know their own yeah. way yeah. they were they had already they had re-engaged from a place of understanding life in a different way so I think that the focus and the energy was different and that mm. to me as far as community is concerned was beneficial in terms of you know kind of focusing myself um but like I said you know uh both of my parents got their GEDs. So, you know, mm-hmm. or my dad, my, I don't think my dad did. My mom definitely got her GED. And it was like a situation where, and I grew up in a generation where everybody, you go to college. I kind of like that people these days are like, you know what? I don't really know that I need right. that. Right. I, I mean, right. I, I under, I understand and, and, and respect that. I do see the factory part of it and being like, oh, I went to Columbia. Like it's about, you know, like I'm, it was a great experience for me, but I don't necessarily like wear it like a badge in publishing. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's people, it makes sense for people? Of course, I get it. And and I did it and I'm proud of it, but I didn't do it for like the cachet, you know, but right. um, so yeah. What did you learn from it as a 19 year old or after you were, you were finished, um, what were your takeaways from Columbia? Well, I was at, I was at Columbia from the time I got my bachelor's when I was 30. So I was mm-hmm. deaf, I was there for about like three, you know, like, um, few years prior to that I guess I started when I was 27 28 mm-hmm. um you know it's funny <laughs> I I graduated I remember being close to graduating and going to a bar with a friend in the East Village and the bartender um I don't know we were just I guess we were talking about school or whatever and she had just graduated from Yale oh. and, I rem- and I remember looking at her and thinking like she just graduated from Yale and she's like bartending in the East village. Like what, mm. like I didn't under, I remember just thinking like, wow, that's weird or that's sad or right. something. And I, and I, and I just kind of let it go. And when I tell you that when I graduated from Columbia, I did not know what I wanted to do with mm-hmm. myself at all. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was highly beneficial was I felt like now the world is really my oyster. I'm from New York. I'm a smart person. I have this education. I am, you know, still young. Like I, I'm, I can, I could do anything. And just the thought of being able to do anything, like it, it, it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. I think that yeah. it kind of freaked me out because I started where I did a bunch of, uh, I did a bunch of freelance jobs. I had a friend who was working at CBS at the TV station in the photo department. Mm-hmm. And I got a job working in the photo archives. And I did that for years. I worked in the photo archives and a cocktail waitress that night. Mm. And I just thought like, what am I supposed to do now? I really didn't know what I was supposed to do until a couple of years later, I was like maybe publishing. So it wasn't even immediate, you know, it wasn't even right. immediate, but I would say that a lot of times when people graduate from Columbia, they're either going on to law school or they're getting their PhD. And I already thought like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want more school. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. It's time for me to, you know, make a move. And so I think I was thinking publishing, I was thinking about it, but I wasn't doing anything about it. Mm. So, so you entered publishing at what? 30, what? Like maybe 33, I would say. Mm-hmm. I may, maybe like 32, okay. 33, or maybe, maybe even a little later. It all gets mishmashed together. Yeah, yeah. And you can, <laughs> also in LA, and I'm sure you know this from working in um, agencies, all the people um, interning and pushing the mail cart, they all have Ivy uh, League. Deg- I mean, they're all like prestigious, straight A, super overachievers. And they just start there and they grind and they get staplers thrown at their faces and all of that stuff. And they work their, work, work their I saw swimming with sharks. I know. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, early 30s, you enter publishing 
And what was that like? Did you know um, what you wanted to do under that umbrella or were you just kind of swimming and figuring things out? Initially, um, initially, I thought I wanted to be an editor. I think like most people, mm -hmm. you think about books and what do you think? You think that, you know, that editorial is the way to go. And mm -hmm. I had started uh, applying for those kinds of jobs, um, you know, at different, different houses, different, I feel like I applied to a couple of like maybe like photos or some travel, mm -hmm. you know, like just kind mm -hmm. of widespread applications. Wasn't really clicking with anything, you know, would get to a certain level in terms of the, um, you know, the interview process, and then it just didn't pan out for a while. During this time, uh, I was cocktail waitressing at this uh, artisanal cocktail lounge on 19th Street. It was like when artisanal cocktails were new. Um, and we and it was a beautiful like Art Deco joint. And uh, wait, wait, how, how was that job cocktailing? Because I feel like that's different than being behind the bar. Oh, hell yeah. Um, th there's a there's a safety in being behind the bar. When you're cocktailing, you're on the floor. I mean, you're yeah. very exposed. And I don't know what that uh, crowd is like, but what was that like? I well, I always worked in. Uh, <laughs> I always worked in like fine establishments. Like I worked in places oh, where people okay, were required scale. to be a right. grown up. You right. know, so I think it was either like you know, I worked at a place oddly enough that was fashioned like an English gentleman's library. Like there was oh, there nice. was this. Um, no one's grabbing uh, you, uh, spitting in your face or anything like that. No, hell no. Oh, right, I would right, not right. like that. Yeah. And I wasn't one of those, you know, like, you know, bottle girls with their with the, you know, um, what do you call it? <laughs> they come out with the bottles on fire and stuff. Yeah, okay, it wasn't right. like it wasn't at a club. Right. It was like at a at, at like a fancy joint. Where Classy, we would, got like, it. Like, you know silver trays and high heels and wear pearls and black dresses and the whole mm. time. So, and, and it was fun. It was fun. I loved the people. I made good money. It was a good energy vibe. I didn't, um, waiting tables, like waiting tables is definitely, I think, I feel like everybody should do it at some point. Oh, I was going to say that I, I've done it too. Yeah. You know, I used to work in, um, islands, which is a little kind of like a Hawaiian burger joint here and wear little stubby shorts. And, um, you know what, it's, it's a, it's a rite of passage. We all need to do it. We all need to to serve in one form or another, so we could know what it looks uh, feels like to be of uh, in, in the service business for sure. Yeah, and it just I think it really too. I mean, I, I definitely think that it has helped me with agenting because when you're when you're when you're working in a busy bar, you have to be on point with everybody, with mm -hmm. your bar back, with the bartender, with yeah. your manager, with your coworkers, with all of your tables. You got to be anticipating people's needs. Your kind of different energies at different tables. Like you're maintaining and doing so many things at once. It's like splits, um, spinning a bunch of plates. Do, do you and, wake up? Um, do you wake up sometimes um, with this reoccurring nightmare that you forgot to put an order in? <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. But that yes, I definitely, I definitely used to have those for sure. So um, also, I, I, I was going to say, because uh, I visited New York many times, I got to say that time, was that time for you, um, was New York magical? Because usually, you know, late 20s, early 30s, you have more energy, you have more tolerance. New York can be amazing. I mean, the energy and the just, you know, hustle and bustle and the excitement of it. I mean, that's all I, that's all I've ever, that's all I've ever known. I mean, mm -hmm. like, it's, it's funny because there are, um, uh, I like right, actually right over here, this book in the limelight, this is mm -hmm. a book that um, is about uh, nightlife in the nineties. And it's all oh, of these different um, right. photos. I, I represent a guy named Steve Eichner and um, Gabriel Sanchez. They worked on this book. And it's funny because it really encapsulates 
when you're in New York and you live here, you don't even like realize how insanely amazing it is. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I have to go outside when I'm sitting on a bench and I'm like, this is your town. This is your town. This is where you're from. You know? And I think that, um, uh, when you live your life and you go through different, you know, whatever life stuff you go through, you're still going through your own shit, but you mm-hmm. just get to look out the window and see the Empire State Building and remind yourself, like, people come here. I give so much respect to people who come here from all over the country to try to make their life here because it is, it's everything that you're saying. It's a grind and it's tough and it's mm-hmm. fast. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of like getting up to speed, but I'm thankful because I just like, I do that autopilot, you know, but how, how would I be in LA? I don't drive. I would be like a shit show in LA. Yeah, I would say I would, New York. You know, like, New York definitely forms you, right? Yes. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. life school for this life for living here for living yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. So um, publishing, uh, you thought you wanted to be an editor. That's not what yeah. you wanted to do. And then what was the pivot? So that, uh, that the reason that I was talking about um, working at that bar is because. Uh, Donald Moss came into the bar. Mm. I didn't know who he was, but he came in with um, his wife at the time. They had just gotten married. Um, They sat in a section. You know, there were always like these juices where the couples would sit and people were on dates and they were sitting in my section and they were super sweet and we talked a lot about you know and that's what i would do is talk about like oh what kind of cocktail are you looking for what mm-hmm. do you normally drink it was like a whole conversation so we were chatting and um at a certain point maybe towards the end of the evening or maybe even in the middle of the night he looks up at me and he says are you are you a writer and i said mm-hmm. no i said i can write but i'm not a writer and he said well if you ever write anything here's my card Please, like, I would want to, if you ever write anything, I would like to read it. Here's my mm. card. And I looked at his card and it said, Donald Moss, literary agent. And I didn't even know that a literary agent was a thing. And I looked right. at it and I thought, that's what I'm supposed, like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That feels so much more like my energy than being an editor. And mm-hmm. I just didn't even know that it was an option. And oddly enough, like, I even skipped over, you know, nobody... I didn't think, oh, I should write a book. A literary agent is interested in me. Like, that's what you would think, right? If right, somebody right. hands you a card and says, I'm a literary agent, you might be like, you better get started writing that book. But I wasn't even thinking that. <laughs> I was just thinking, I want to work in publishing. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe it's not editorial. This feels like a good kind of fit for my personality because when I was working in the theater, I was, you know, when I was doing theater, I was selling myself as an actress. Then when I was working in fashion, I worked in a multi-line showroom. So I was essentially doing the same thing that I do with authors now. I was doing with designers. Mm-hmm. So if you owned a boutique or something, you would come in, I would pull out the rolling racks, I would merchandise the line, I would write up your order. I worked all the trade shows and stuff like BEA. So, you know, the art and commerce sales kind of energy and and finding cool things and matching people together and being interested in a lot of different stuff, that made sense to me. So, um So that, that business was my, card that, that was, was like head. um yeah, that was the uh the nod from the universe. That was the universe saying, hey, this way. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Absolutely. It's funny. I think I definitely think in that way, but I never really thought about that moment like that. But that is definitely that is definitely what happened. So I sent an email. I sent an email, I think maybe, you know, the next day or two days later. It was a very long, effusive email. I'm sure if I could see it now, I would edit it. (laughs) But it was basically like, 
I'm looking for, um, you know, I'm looking for a gig in publishing. It was, you know, so great to meet you. If you or anyone you know is looking for like an mm -hmm. intern or entry level, whatever. Um, and then I didn't hear from him for six months. And I just oh kind of like, was, but you know six what? It was months. Yeah. But you know what? I got to tell you, like, maybe this is because it's so long ago and like I am wherever I am now. But I think even then I was like, uh, let's just put it out and keep it moving. You got to keep, you got to keep it yeah. moving. You yeah. can know what you want. You can be excited about it. You can put it out into the universe. And then, you know, I, I'm sure I followed up once or twice, but then I saw him, he came back six months later. He didn't just call me. He came back, sat with his wife mm. in the same place. I remembered what they had as a cocktail and, you know, we were chatting and I didn't, and I didn't even bring it up. I was just like, oh, nice to see you, whatever. Like, I wasn't even going to be like, did you get my email? And how come you never called me? Like, what, you know, like, so he, um, towards the end of the uh, time that they were having cocktails, he was like, so I can't make this decision on my own because I have colleagues that I need to, you know, run it by, but would you like to come and see, um, you know, interview for an intern position? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm like in my early thirties and I was like, hell yeah, intern position, I'm there. Um, and that was, that was how I started working. And I was cocktailing at night and I was interning during the day and it was, you know, like going to the post office and, you know, reading all the queries and the slush pile and mm. learning about contracts and just, you know, Tra whatever training. an intern does. Training day. Training stuff. And then I got a gig there. Then he, then Don hired me, um, you know, and, and I was, I started agenting there and then I moved on from there, but so it was a great experience. That was the foundation. That was kind of like um, your ticket into um, your hero's journey and the, the kind of the beginning for you, right? The first domino. So after that, um, now now you know the ropes, it seems like, and learning from there. Um, now, where did the, the universe throw, throw you next? What was next for you after that? Well, I was knowing that I wanted to sign not a lot of nonfiction clients because mm -hmm. Don Moss was known for a lot of sci-fi fantasy and mm -hmm. it was a great learning, you know, place to learn, but I didn't necessarily rep the, the same kind of stuff. And he was very, um, he was very encouraging to rep the things that I was genuinely excited about, which I appreciated. Right. And I quickly learned that, you know, if you, if you're a nonfiction author and you don't have a platform, can't sell your I can't sell it <laughs> like people got to have some kind of platform and this yeah, was a while ago is, is is that kind of new or is that um because I mean the, the book business is is, is very um such a uh, I don't know how to say this um when it comes to the book business and technology it kind of feels like oil and water <laughs> and I wonder at what point um they, they said okay we're only gonna buy books from people who have followings or who are active on social media right that kind of platform right i mean obviously a tv show radio show stuff like that um but that wasn't like it wasn't like that um all the time that it seems like that's more of a, a recent than last i don't know five six years or no i think it's been a little bit longer than that i think that maybe the precursor to um you know uh, having a large social media following was really being um you know the, the host of a show of a show or you know mm -hmm. like oh, having right. some kind of public you know um appearance right. famous yeah yeah like yeah yeah like having some kind of celebrity status where you were in front of a lot of people on a regular basis and whatever the you know like it's you people are influencers now but i think that right. having some kind of 
um, you know, people are interested, pr proving that people are interested in what you have to say specifically about this topic. Um, you know, it's tricky with social media, but, and I, I agree, and that was very diplomatically stated, and I know exactly what you're saying, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's a mishmash, and people are figuring things out, but I do think that it is convenient to be like, oh, you know, now I have this measuring device where I can say, if you're not here, then I can't deal with you. But also like, you don't even know how to use it to like your benefit. Like, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. And I'm speaking broadly and generalizing. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but as you're saying this, it makes sense because um, the quote unquote influencer or, you know, the person on YouTube, TikTok, whoever has a million followers, they are kind of the new celebrity. I think celebrity, um, like, like the movie star is dead you know, because of streaming and social media. Um, so the, the celebrity can be the person that's next door to you now. And so it makes sense that the um, um, publishers want people with platforms. So obviously yeah. it's all, it's all I, about book sales. Yeah, I get it. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's all, it's all, it, that's really what it comes down to and how, but also I think we're seeing too, like there was an article that, um, our, article about Billie Eilish in the New York Times like a couple of um, months ago about how like just because you have a bunch of followers you know the dedication that it takes like liking something or listening to something oh, yeah. is like, quick and yeah. easy and free but some, right. for somebody to like pre-order a book and buy a book yeah. and read a book and review a book like there's a lot of work that goes into right. being like a reader and I think that authors have to ask so much of their readers as well because it's even you know like the more positive reviews you have on you know Amazon and Goodreads like it's it's a lot of outsourcing the responsibility um you know the, the, these days but the thing is is that if if somebody can do it then that's setting the standards for everybody else. Be like, so, you know, John can do it. If John can do it, why can't you do it? And yeah. people and the publishers are going to want to work with people that are kind of like, you know, turnkey situation. Like yeah. that makes complete sense. Especially it makes total sense. Yeah. So yeah. I like I like what you just said. I want to highlight it real quick. It's not yeah. about how many followers you have. It's about your ability to convert, right? Um, you know, uh, you could take your clothes off and have a million followers and, but that doesn't mean they're going to buy your book. <laughs> they just want to see you naked, right? So, um, it's about you being able to have warm audiences. It's about building glue and community and people following your story. And then when you put a book out or whatever product, they actually go and buy it instead of just saying, oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other level of of uh, of of an ask, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what was next for you? Then were you did you go from oh, McDonald's so to that so so I went to a conference. I went to the Pacific Northwest Writers Conference, which was really mm -hmm. cool. Conferences are so much fun, especially when you're just you know getting getting started. Um, and when I was at this conference, I met a guy named Paul Fedorko, who was a publisher at Bantam Doubleday Dell, like back in the 90s. And then he was, at the time he was working, um, he was just joining a talent agency to start their uh, literary division. Mm -hmm. And he asked me, do you wanna, do you wanna come do this with me? And I thought, you know what? Working at a talent agency, talent agency makes sense in terms of finding people who have a platform. Mm -hmm. Paul was cool. You know, very slick, dapper dude, white hair, <laughs> you know, um, uh, pushed back big kind of like Martin Scorsese glasses, oh, yeah. double breasted blue suits with gold so buttons, New York. like New so York. like white, white goatee, like Paul, I call him P-Fed, Paul is, he's very, very cool dude. Um, 
And so I went with him to uh, the name of the agency at the time was NS Beanstalk, and they were uh, the only and the biggest, the biggest talent agency representing on-air news talent. Mm. So, um, you know, anybody, any news anchors, reporters, whoever you saw, like they found that market, they they grew that market. And uh, that was where I had started in terms of being at a talent agency. And I did, I remember when I was there, like one of the first books that I did was like about extreme weather because they represented a meteorologist. And I was like, yes, like a meteorologist writing about the science of weather. I can sell this book. Like I was able to kind of put it together like that and it felt good. Um, so yeah, that I was at that agency for a while. And then- Wait, real quick, just yeah, your, your ability to do that to me hints I mean, to me, that's foreshadowing. Um, so without being asked to just to like a meteorologist, naturally your mind is saying, okay, I, there's something here I could produce, I could see a book and I could sell that. That's already you agenting <laughs> before, so, yeah. before you were agenting, you know? So, totally, totally. Yeah, put, yeah, putting it, putting it together, putting it together. Yeah. Um, and I was excited to have opportunity. I was excited to have um, access to people who had a following, you know? Right. And this was, a, this was a meteorologist who like, had like a cult following, like people loved her, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, Bonnie Schneider, what up, Bonnie? Um, <laughs> and it was, it was a great, it was a great experience. Um, and then a few years into being there, uh, UTA acquired NSB and stock. I'm mm -hmm. sure they were, you know, they were in the business of finding, you know, agencies that were at the top of their game and, you know, everybody's swallowing each other up over here. They had acquired another agency either just prior to, or just after acquiring us. So, um, so then we folded into UTA for a few years and then it just was like, sometimes you know it's time to go you know mm -hmm. you know when it's time to go and mm -hmm. the uh the woman who runs uh new leaf literary i had known for years and um she had said to me you ever she said if i know you when the first acquisition happened when uta bought the um you know the smaller agency i was working for she we had drinks and she said if i know you you want to try uta and if you you don't like it like we'd mm -hmm. love to have you over at new leaf and like how like how nice is that right to yeah. be to to have an established relationship with somebody to be in what feels like uncharted territory like things were fine and then they were different <laughs> you know about mergers you know yeah. everyone tells you that everything's fine and it's kind of like is it fine though well also <laughs> um uta caa uh, what is wme it? wme these big agencies um, I can imagine you going from, you know, um, working intimately and having your space to now kind of getting thrown into the ocean and feeling, you know, whatever, lost or overwhelmed or, you know, whatever happens behind the scenes. But yeah, I mean, people can get lost. And also, um, that may not have been your thing, you know, other than just it was It was different. I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. Like it was different, but me, like, the energy that I have and my, I'm always seeing something as an opportunity. Like yeah. people were feeling nervous when the, when the, um, you know, when the, when the acquisition happened and mm -hmm. I understand that and I felt that energy and I saw that energy and I felt a little bit of it myself, but I thought, you know what, like, I know what I do. Like they didn't, UTA didn't have a book department. They had some people that did book to film, but they didn't have a dedicated book department. And I thought, you know what, like, I know what I do. That is an incredible pool of people. I can absolutely sell books. Like mm -hmm. they have hu huge names. So I took it upon myself to, you know, find out like who represented who and introduce myself to people. And maybe I had a couple of situations where editors knew that I was working at UTA and said, oh, do you think so-and-so will do a book? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, so if I could get it going both ways where I had 
an editor at a house asking me about a UTA client. And then I could introduce myself to that client, the agent who was in LA and say like, hey, hi, I'm here. This is what I do. I'm JL. I'm from New York. I do the books. I have an editor who's interested. You know, I, I was ready to do that. And I started doing that in a lot of different, um, in a lot of different categories. And then it just, it just, the timing wasn't, their acquisition was not about books. It was mm -hmm. about the news, you know? And then I think after that, now, and now they have like a stellar um, book division, which is great, but you're not wrong. Like that's not, that was not, that was a very different energy and not necessarily my vibe. And that's fine. Like I can hang, but it was, it was time. I could tell for myself, it was time to, it was time to move on. Can I tell you a quick story? Yes, please. So um, <laughs> before me becoming a therapist and writing self-help books, um, I was a struggling screenwriter in LA. And uh, in my 20s, I wrote this club script and it got a lot of hype and UTA represented me. Um, but they, they it, I don't know if this is, uh, uh, if they have this term in the in the, the book world, but it's called hip pocketing, where they just kind of see if you sell this. And, and they were way too big for me, right? So I, I just got super excited. It was UTA. And then um, we, they went out with the script. It didn't sell. And then I didn't exist <laughs> like, it, like nothing. Nope. You know, it was, it was bye-bye uh, John who, um, and so I was very hurt and I was like, that was a very, like a real life lesson. Um, and what's interesting about life is, uh, I think life throws boomerangs. So here, uh, here I am again, um, at 48 now with UTA again, but this time the, they know my, they, they, they return my calls. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah. that's a great, I love that. That's a good, that's a great story. And I think yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's validating. And I think it makes sense just in terms of like, you know, yeah, timing, timing is everything and understanding like how an operation works, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And not mm -hmm. taking shit personally. That's how they work. They obviously get things done. Like I'm not, you know, like that, that you have to, you have to know where you fit. You have to know your lane. You have to be comfortable. You have to know what your specialty is. You know, they, are, it was not as much, I, I'm reticent to say this because it is at the core of my being, but also like, I'm a developer, but also like, I need people that are a little bit more ready to go. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that, that's part of my journey too, is that, you know, the creative side of me definitely sees the kernel and a nugget in people. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways I'm appreciative of the standards that publishing has, because it helps me say to you, this is what you need to do in order for me to be able to help you to get to the next level. No pun intended. Yeah, but I appreciate that honesty. And I think um, all writers do instead of feeling led on that you're saying, hey, here's what I see in you. And here's what you need to do. Even if it's like grow your social media platform or whatever it is, then I could do something with you. Um, but that blunt honesty, and it's like that with dating. It's like if you date someone and, they, and you, do they like me? Do they not like me? They're just doing this, I love you, get away. But if they're like, hey, here, here's the deal. I think you're great, but whatever. Right now we're not a good fit. That honesty, there's a responsibility to that. And I'm glad that um, you are blunt in that way. Yeah. But anyway, the, the, the lesson here, uh, at least for me as a writer, was sometimes it's better, I would say not sometimes, but all the times, it's, it's better to be within uh, maybe a smaller, more boutique agent where you're not going to get lost instead of going for some big name and um, you're not ready for them yet. 
Yeah. And you're not, and you, and you got to know what you're comfortable with. You got to know what works for you, where you're, where you're kind of at in your, in your head and your career and your yeah. life, how you work. Yeah. And it's not that small boutique agencies can't make like, you know, big six, six and seven figure deals like yeah. that. Like it had, like the money, totally. the money is there. It's really about the relationships mm-hmm. and like, what do you, you know, what do you need? What's your, what's your strategy? Yeah. yeah. So now you're at next level. Yes. Or, right. I'm, I, I'm, I'm here. I created it. I did it. I, it it's happening. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Be, before next level, uh, you're at New Leaf. Yes, I was a New Leaf. I know yeah. we're next New Leaf and next level. Yeah, I yeah. Know I got. I got. I switched it. it. It's so funny though because when the the name came to me and I was like, oh man, kind of like New Leaf, next level. Like it kind of sounds the same, but I, in my it came it came to me after a meditation and I couldn't mm. let it go because it meant because there was a lot of meaning in it, you know, for me in terms of like what it means for my clients, what it means for me, and where we are in our lives and what it is that we're trying to do. Like I I. I tried to think of another name and then I was just like, this shit fits. Like it yeah. really, it's, it's very meaningful to me. So um, I stuck with it, but yes, as you were saying, um, I was, a new, I, I went over to New Leaf when. Uh, what was your experience like at New Leaf and obviously more learning, more to- adjusting. Totally, yeah. totally. <laughs> Aren't we always like, that's mm-hmm. all, all, always. Um, new Leaf was great. I mean, I think that it was, uh, it was definitely a shift. I mean, without getting like too specific, I went from being having um, a pretty nice salary with all of the accoutrement mm-hmm. to being in a situation where uh, I did not have any of that. Yeah, sink, and, sink, or, sink or swim, right? Go, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Um, and I think that you know, people say like, "Oh, if I did, if I knew how hard it was going to be," or you know, da 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 da. Like, I don't know, like. I, it was, it was definitely a different, it, you have to cultivate a different kind of energy, right? You have, if you're, when you're working at a larger agency and you get a salary, you are, um, you're working within the pool. Like, yes, I brought my own people, but there's, there's a certain company vibe that you're a part of it. Like you're, you work for the company. And then when you're doing, um, when you're more of like an independent contractor, nobody's, ha- nobody is handing you anything. You got to get out there and you got to find people and you have to right. connect with people and you have to bring those clients in and you, I mean, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy, but yeah, I think it's just, that it's a lot of hustling. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, but I think that, you know, I found it to be very, um, like invigorating and so, and you got, you got to get real with yourself. If you're doing mm-hmm. something, if you're, mm-hmm. if, I was basically an entrepreneur, like what I'm doing now at next level is really not that different from what I was doing at New Leaf. Right. You know, I'm, do, I'm doing the same thing. I have a different configuration in terms of a team. Like New Leaf was great because resources, um, you know, other agents that you're, you know, you know, having staff meetings and being able to like talk with other people about, mm-hmm. you know, like, the processes that they're going through, the editors and the experiences that they had, you know, you really benefit from the, the hive mind of working at an agency and New Leaf grew a lot in the time that I was there. I mean, they lead into, you know, YA and, and that is where, um, you know, their strong hold ha- has been. And I think that what I was doing was, um, and I was brought on to do nonfiction. Mm. Do you hear? Do you hear yeah, I was gonna say. Um, do you have aliens in your office? <laughs> they, they sound like little aliens, but um, kids oh, outside. Pipe down, pipe down out there. That's New York. I'm trying to be, trying to be yeah. Hollywood over here. Pipe down, pipe down. <laughs> um, 
it I'm just like, adds to the, it just adds mind? to the it adds to the flavor of the episode uh, <laughs> um so uh oh i was just saying so benefiting from from the hive mind and really being a part of new leaf and everybody there is like really good at what they do like it's a mm-hmm. great it's an incredible place um and i think that for me after a couple of years like i just i started looking at my list and seeing what my clients were doing and feeling just being in the team but also feeling a little bit separate like i had like my own kind of momentum going mm-hmm. that was that was kind of and something was saying to me like now's the time let's do this you have a great roster of people you have all these incredible books coming out your list is really representing who you are as a human being like mm-hmm. You work so hard sometimes, you gotta step back and just look at, like, I look at my wall here. I just have to tell myself, like, you represent, like, a leading, like, sports, black queer sports journalist who writes for the New York Times. And she's writing a book about the WNBA that you sold and it's gonna come out next year. Like, I'm doing a lot of, I have to remind myself. <laughs> my, yeah. my roster is well it's not even forgetting I think it's just being very much like what's next like on to the next and you know now I have my own company and what is it to grow yeah um, you know like yeah go you, ahead I can keep uh, going <laughs> well no 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 I I, I just I, I want to throw a little bookmarks because that's an important lesson um taking a beat and looking down to see how far you've come Right, because you're right. I think, especially in the agenting business, where everything is fast paced and it's onto the next, bigger, chasing, whatever. Um, for you to say, wait a minute, I can do this. Look at my roster. Look what I'm doing. I have enough. I am enough. I'm gonna go start my own agency, which is a huge, courageous leap. Yeah, and so you did. And which <laughs> I is, I did it. I yeah. did it. Yep. Um, enter yeah. en- now. Now enter next level. So now, so now we're entering, so now we're entering, we're entering the next level. Um, and you know, it's been, uh, again, I I think that it's funny when I, when I left a situation where, um, I was having more kind of, uh, financial stability and I was working at a corporation and then moving to a place where I had to do a little bit more of a hustle. I think that that was the hugest shift that I had had. And the only, actually, I know that cocktail waitressing absolutely helped me with that because I was kind of like, when has I, when have I ever done this before? And when you, when you work in a bar and you work in a restaurant, you got to make that money in the minute. Like, you know, you know what you're, you have to kind of stay, you know, stay on like that. Cause I remember kind of thinking about that and making the, um, the connectivity there. But I think, I mean, I know, I know so much more now. I know so much more now. And I feel excited. I think that in a, you can get into a place where you don't know what you're getting into. And then you wake up and you're like, oh shit, what the fuck did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of scramble to like figure it out and you, and you prevail and you get done what you need to get done and you, and you survive and you thrive. And now I feel like I'm not jumping into something that I don't know. I know, I know what's going on. And the be- one of the most beautiful things that I've found so far is the wave that I've been able to supplement in terms of like, so I don't go to the weekly meeting anymore and I don't have specific people that I talk to about, you know, like within that community, mm-hmm. but I know people, I have had people when I told people that I was making this choice, they, nobody was like, what are you nuts? Like, and I think that energetically, I wouldn't call somebody that would say that to me because I already made my decision. (laughs) You know what I mean? The people who I called have all been helpful and available and encouraging. And like, I have what I need. It may look, it's a different configuration, but as you said, 
I have what I need. And I think that, you know, like it's more than anything else. It's exciting. I love the projects that I work on. I love my clients, like what we're doing collectively in terms of the subject matter and the way that people, you know, um, fiction, nonfiction, romance, serious journalism, you know, photography, like all the things that make me excited. I see that in my clients and I'm like, let's do this. So that's, that's where we're at right now. Okay. Another bookmark. Um, for anyone who's listening or watching, and they may not be starting their own agency, but they're at that fork in the road where it's like, do I stay where I'm at because it's comfortable because there's a paycheck, uh, or security or, you know, health insurance or whatever, or do I make this leap because I think I can do it, but I'm not sure. But with this leap comes insecurity, uncertainty. Um, what would you say to them as far as how do you know when to make the leap and when it's just like stupid, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, let me take a breath while I'm like thinking about that. Um, you said a couple words like energy and, um, I don't know if you said intuition, but I might, I might have, cause that's, de- well, I mean, that's definitely, I lean hard into that right okay. now. I lean well, you, hard you, into you, that. you did say intuition. You did say intuition when um, you were talking about the name next level coming to you. Yes. Yes. And that's sounding a lot like new leaf. Right. And you're like, you know what? I meditated on it. And for some reason that resonated with me. Yeah. So yeah, I lean hard. I lean hard into that right now, and I okay. feel, and I feel good about that. Like, and you, and thank you because as we've been having this conversation, you have even been pointing out to me, like, oh, that was your fork in the road. That was your message from the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't start my meditation practice until I was in like late thirties, early early forties was when mm-hmm. I started meditating, and I will say that it has made all of the difference in my life. And now I've been doing it for quite some time. But I think that you know, in terms of starting a business you know do you you're always gonna feel real quick jail you look like you're 31 oh thank you yeah because you're talking 40s i'm like oh my gosh i didn't even know you were in your your 40s when's your birthday we're the same age oh are we really yeah you said it earlier and i was like oh me too (laughs) oh my god i'm an aries my birthday is in april oh you're coming up you're coming up coming up april 10th are you gonna be 49 or did you start saying that you were 48 already I don't know, but you know what? Um, you, you know that running joke, like white people age fast and, and I don't know your ethnicity, um, but you, you look younger than, cause I'm Asian and you know, Asian and black people, it's like, are they 12? Are they 80? I can't tell. Um, you look you look younger than in me as an Asian person at the same age, which is, wow. Thank you. And, I let, and, I'm, letting my gro- and I'm letting my grades grow in. I mean, I'll take it as a compliment. I, I, who being it's, it's weird. I mean, we, I, I would know, say early thirties, I would say early thirties is what. Okay. I, what thank I you. Yeah. 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 Thank yeah. You. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sidetracked. I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm not in my early thirties was like the beginning of all this crazy tumult. I mean, like oh, not what twenties was twenties yeah. was great. It was what it was. Thirties was the beginning of like, where do I work? What do I do? How, who am I? How do I do this? You know? And I think that 40s have been like I'm a huge advocate for yes 40s yes hey hey let's stay off. let's stay there for a little bit because what you're saying is so important um 20s I agree with the 20s is just exploration experimentation across the board in every area of your life whether it's you know sex career whatever um but I think in our 20s sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to achieve you know all of the especially coming out of Ivy League school stuff like that then 30s, I think, is where you start turning the corner 
and you know you start to like know what you want know what you deserve you start to believe in yourself you start to dissolve false beliefs and then 40s i think 40s is gold 40s has been my favorite decade good i'm i'm like high five high five yeah (laughs) but i i I love hearing that from you um, because it seems like you also have a similar story yeah i mean and i think that part of it too like you know i'm not I don't have kids. I've never been married. I don't have kids. I, I never really wanted to do that, you know? And, and I think that that somehow like not having those milestones in terms of like, you know, planning an engagement party, getting engaged and getting married and ha- like doing all of those kind of adult life stuff, life milestone things. Like, like I haven't, I haven't done any of that, <laughs> you know, like right, right. I've been, and I think that those things, um, you know, I don't know if it makes me, if it make, I think that I feel a bit of levity because I'm, I yeah. haven't had to deal with all yeah. of that. It keeps you young. You have freedom. I get it. I know what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm certainly not tr- trashing that scenario at all. Most of my friends are married and, ha- and we we're kind of across the board, you know, a lot of different stuff, but I feel like, I don't know, I've led, I've led this weird life where I've just been bouncing around. And now like the next level lit, like it just, it is my responsibility, but, and I'm ready for it. And the reason that I know that I'm ready for it is because I went through a bunch of shit that made me feel crazy. And then I figured out how to align myself, you know, like I know how to reel myself in when I get like frenetic and crazy, I know how to reel myself in and I know how to be quiet to the point where I can get the message of like, this is what you should do, which doesn't mean that I don't freak out and that it's not scary. And it's, it is Mm -hmm. every freaking emotion, but at the base of it all, even when I'm freaking out, at the very basic core, I'm kind of like, you're good. You're fine. You're Next fine. level lit is actually your kid. It's my kid. Yeah, that's the that's your child you gave birth to. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, kid. We, we have to hurry up because we have questions. Okay. Um, this is this is me just changing. I mean, it's still under the umbrella of everything you do. But <laughs> what are the uh, questions? What are the questions? Because they're from the audience. Now we get to them, or else I'm going to feel guilty. Okay. Um, I have a, I get more questions than I have a time to answer. And so I have this whole guilty conscious, like I got to answer this. I got to answer these. Um, I'm here for it. There are questions I'm sure you've heard before, but they're common questions and they're going to throw a wide net to anyone who's a writer. What's the number one thing you look for in a writer? If you had to pick, of course, there's many. What would be the number one thing? Oh, she's, she's meditating. I love this. I'm not, I'm, th- I'm thinking of so many things. It's hard for me to say one I want, because I want to say enthusiasm and a, po- a positive attitude. We have to mm. have a positive mm. attitude. We I, have to have a positive attitude. I love that you said something that has nothing to do with writing. Because it's, it's just, so, because this is so much more than writing. Yes, oh my yes, God. This, yes. this is a, this is a journey, my friends. Yes. Um, <laughs> thick skin. You need thick skin. You're not going to yes. survive this if yes, you don't have thick, absolutely. thick skin. Question two. There's only three questions. So um, okay. Just because of time. Question okay. two. What's the hardest hardest thing about agenting? About your job and your career, what's the hardest thing about doing it? I think the feeling of never being caught up. I have the feeling that there's so uh, many opportunities. Right, and right. it's great. Like it's a, It's a wonderful thing that there's so many opportunities and so many, but it's kind of like, yeah but I don't want I, I don't want I don't want to miss out on anything which again yeah. is where the meditation comes in and I'm like okay the good projects are I'm gonna find I'm gonna find those people but I think it's hard to feel 
it's, it's never, it's never enough. You're never going to catch up. There's always something else that you got to do. Like I could do, it is like a kid. I could do this 24 hours a day. Like, I mm-hmm. don't want to do that to myself. You wouldn't have but life, I, but I could, this is, yeah. it, it, it's that, it's that level of, uh, of energy and, and, uh, I, I could tell by your energy that, <laughs> uh, uh, which is yeah. 24 seven. You could, um, last question. What's the greatest misconception about the book business uh, the book business and making a career as an author, what would you say? She's channeling. I love this. I'm just, it's a, it's a hard question. Um, what's the biggest misconception? Well, people don't know, you know, like if you were to pull the curtain back and say, Hey, this is what it's really like. And I know you think this, but this is what's really like, what would that be? I think that there are people that really do care. I think it feels Mm. like a lot of times that people Mm -hmm. don't care. I think that there's a lot, the book business is going under a lot of change, going through a lot of changes right now. Um, And I think that there's this misconception that, you know, everybody's jaded, people don't care. People that work in that industry, like you have to be getting something out of it besides, you know, uh, money, because it is a, it is definitely a, a, a grind. And some people are, you know, it's a lucrative business for them. But for most people, it's like you do you, some, a lot of people have to get a job to work that job. A lot of people, right. agents have right. other jobs gotcha. so that they can have the yeah. opportunity to either be an editor or an agent. So I think that if I were an author, I would want to know, like, does anybody really care about what I'm doing? Yeah. Yes, people do care. People absolutely care. And they want to hear your stories. It's just like a maze, like trying to get through everything. But but people care. I want to back you because um, when I had my toe in screenwriting and um, I was represented by a manager and, and all that, um, sold a couple projects. And then now with my experience in the book business, I got to say, in the book business, I do feel that. Um, when I write a book, the people that champion it actually care uh, not just about me, but but about the story I'm telling, about who I'm helping. Um, it's not just about like, you know, let's see how many books we can sell. Of course, that's part of it because it is a business. But I think the people who work behind the scenes from agents to publishers to editors, all that. Um, yeah, I don't think I think it's less about money in the book business as opposed to, um, you know, film and TV where it's a lot more about the money. And I think um, people really care. And I'll, I think the people in the book business have more courage. They actually stand up for things they believe in. Um, in, in film and TV, everyone's scared. <laughs> everyone's scared, you know? And I think so, that people are scared yeah. of publishing too, though, because sure. I feel like there's, it's kind of like, come on, take a chance, take a chance right. on this. Like, right. I feel like that. I Like, that's one of the things that I feel frustrated as, as an agent. Like, I just feel like, come on, guys, this is, I'm telling you, this is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but yeah sorry pivot back to to everybody caring because i think that's a good note to end on because yes, you, really you want to know that you want to you want to know that you're not doing it for for nothing it's just so it's like a lot of work well especially you know as an author you when you go and you write this thing you give birth and especially if it's a memoir or something that's tied to your story um yeah you want it to be held with two hands and you want people to care about it right so um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that about uh, about the book business. Um, I want to share something with you as uh, as I leave. One of the other reasons why I wanted you on my podcast was because the way that I got my first book agent was uh, her name was Laura York and uh, is Laura York, and she uh, was on a podcast. And I remember listening to her, and I was like, "Fuck, that's old school New York," and her energy. And at the end, she was like, "Look." 
Because they're like, how can you know people reach you? There, she was like, I don't take queries. I'm sorry, I've been in this for a long time. I could count on one hand how many query letters I've taken that have become clients. Um, and I queried the shit out of her. She responded, um, and she sold a miserable fuck behind me, which which was called grow the f up. <laughs> and and, um, and so my entry into uh, being an author was finding an agent that I listened to on a podcast and speaking of boomerangs here it comes back around again because I have an agent on my podcast and someone listening is going to be like I love the energy of this person she's New York she's <laughs> like oh yeah I, and not she has her own agency now she has balls she has whatever and so I don't want uh, people to storm you with emails and stuff but um if I can make a connection in some way, I think that's going to, it's, it's full circle. It's universal. Yeah, to yeah, totally. I mean, and I think I love, thank you for sharing that. I think that that's what being in the mix, like we people, you're not going to connect with everybody. The timing may not be right. It may, but it's good to be in the mix because you never know what's going to come around again. And it just makes it easier for you. If you get stuck on everything that goes wrong, oh my God, you'll never get anywhere. You got to let it go and you got to keep it moving and being in the mix. You know, like if people send queries and like, yeah, I'm open, I'm here, I'm yeah. here. If we connect them, that's then I'm all about it. Yeah, that's a great if, story. I love that you shared that. If you like what you're hearing, um, JL actually teaches for uh, Hillary and me and Hillary, Hillary Swanson, we're, we have a, a writing intensive and we uh, put, put you through a workshop and how to write a book proposal and all that. And JL, JL is one of our instructors. So you could actually meet her in person. Um, yeah. So thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, your story. It's an amazing story and uh, all your energy. And also, uh, thank you for putting amazing stories out there, you know, for all the work that it takes to even, you know, find a writer, try to sell the book, get that book out there. Um, I know it's, it's, a, it's, it's heavy. <laughs> it's heavy lifting. So thank you for all you do, because uh, you never know how many, how many lives you're, you're reaching because of you being a part of this. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for, for having me and inviting me. This was amazing. It was so funny when you asked me, I just said, yes, I didn't even know what we were going to be talking yes. about. Yes. I was like, yes, I'm open. What are we, what are we talking about? What are we doing? So thank you for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> I so appreciate it. It's been very nice to spend time and, you know, teaching for, for your, at your uh, classes has been great too. So thank you so much. Yeah, I yeah absolutely. We're going to continue. She said yes, because she brought, uh, she bought a new microphone and she needed to use it. And again, that's, that was, there it is. There it is. <laughs> All right, JL. Um, be you. well, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks so much. Oh, wait, 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 real quick. Wait, oh, real quick. wait, sorry, what sorry. happened? Um, where can people, where can people reach you? Sorry, Instagram, uh, social media, or anything that you want to, you want to give out. Um, not, don't feel, don't feel forced to give out. Oh, that's so, okay. Um, yeah. You know, it's at next level lit on Instagram. Um, right. And uh, my email is jlstermer at nextlevellit.com. Yes. It's pretty, yes. it's pretty, it's pretty simple. So, but thank, thank you. you. Okay. All right. All right. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordeaux, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community. 
lifetime support and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.